Hello and welcome to Check One Two, recorded here at the world famous podcast studio Glasgow. Our next guest is Todd Whiteford, who is a dual testicular cancer survivor and the owner of a thriving coffee shop called The Good Coffee Cartel. Todd's story is nothing short of inspiring, from overcoming having testicular cancer twice to becoming a father through IVF. We hope you enjoy this conversation and Todd's story. And uh, here we are, Todd Whiteford. So they've obviously gone, ah, you could... You can get an edge by drinking too much caffeine. And so, like, do that for every single thing. Like, see this plant. If you found out that by eating a tiny bit of that plant gave you something, they wouldn't know. They wouldn't think, let's test that plant. Yeah. Or, like, even not even eating it. Just, like, see if you rub that plant for 15 seconds, it actually releases something into your thumb. Mm -hmm. And that gives you, like, a wee edge. (laughs) But they're never going to know. The the testers are never going to think, aye, but see, you rub that plant. So they're never going to be, they're never going to, it's like you don't know what you don't know, kind of yeah. thing. You don't. You're never going to be able to narrow in on oh, the guy that rubbed that plant. Now he's now he's the, cha- now he's <laughs> now the, he's the Olympic champion. Yeah, exactly. Um, so thanks for coming. Like, are um, we starting? Podcast, aye, that's a rolling man. That's a rolling. I'm going to look at all the cameras. <laughs> <laughs> um, but thanks for coming on, mate. Um, just to kind of kick us off, do you mind kind of just going over your story just a little bit and then we can just kind of just blather away, man? Yeah, yeah. No worries. Yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm a I'm a double testicular cancer guy. So I've had it twice. Uh, once in 2013 um, and then again in 2019. So 2013, kind of two very similar stories, but I was in a different place in my life for both of those. So uh, 2013, uh, really coming off the back of a uh, a great little season of singledom. Um, so I like London Olympics had just finished, you know, we've been down to London, all this like really just great, just no responsibilities. Um, didn't have a particularly like taxing job, was just kind of like had a bit of money, had uh, no responsibilities, living in a flat with two other people. And I was just like, life was dead easy and was in good shape, like fit, going up and down the hills. That's kind of my thing, like being outdoors. And uh, yeah, like found a lump, uh, hummed and hawed over it for ages. I was like, I don't know, is this just me being silly? Uh, blah blah blah. Classic, like, uh, late 20s West Coast male, just like, nah, come on, don't make a fuss about this, it's probably nothing. Uh, went to get it checked out, and then, uh, pretty quickly, they were like, yeah, ultrasound. Went for an ultrasound, they were like, okay. So this is what this is. Um, you're probably, you're looking at losing that testicle and surgery, chemo, all in a pretty quick space of time. Like, I, the details are a bit blurry, but I'm pretty sure it was like, find out on the Monday, you're in surgery on the Thursday mm. or something. So, then, see, so see for like, uh, you've been so young, like when you had that, you're, like, you're young, you're single, during that kind of part of your story, like how, how was that? Because when I had my cancer, I was, you know, in a long-term relationship, kid. You know what I mean? Like, so it was very a very different time that you probably experienced in your second kind of round mm, of that. Yeah, yeah. But uh, what was that like being young and single and finding out you're going to lose a Tesco? That must have been quite strange. I, I don't know. Like, yeah, at, at the time, I probably didn't. The only thing that really. Uh, it was like a bit of advice that was given to me by the surgeon was like, I'll oh, we'll put a silicon 
uh, a fake boy in. And mm. I was like, if you want. <laughs> he was like, well, yeah, because if you're single, then you want to be in control of like when you might want to tell people that that's happened to you rather than like be, uh, you know, and in, in doing some single activities and then someone goes, oh, wait a minute, you... <laughs> There's something missing down there kind of thing. You you want to obviously have the opportunity to do it at your own pace, which I totally get. Um, but yeah, I think it probably helped not having that many responsibilities and being that age of just being like, well, I feel pretty indestructible. So it's a bit of a wake-up call. Mm. Like, you're not. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, I didn't have, you know, like I didn't have a wife worrying about me. I had family worrying about me. But I didn't, you know, I didn't have particularly like the job I had at that time wasn't one that I was like, oh, I must, must be there or the place will fall apart without me kind of thing. So I probably was, I had the luxury of being a bit like, well, you know, I just deal with, deal with this m myself and then I'll just crack on. Mm. It's interesting as well because it's like I think having these types of conversations, I learn I learn so much from everybody else's experience, and I th and that's the kind of hope of the podcast is that you know when guys who are at any stage of their testicular cancer journey are going to watch this and go, that's how I felt, or that's what. So for me, like my, I've spoke about this kind of openly as well that I didn't opt for the prosthetic, and my wife was there when I kind of made that decision as well, and it was like. I wasn't that bothered because I didn't have that tie of, well, you know, it's like, I thought, like, she's got me. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Like, she's stuck with me. You're, like, you're locked down. Yeah, so, I, yeah. she, like, I always say, yeah, like, you know, I'm, I'm hers until I die or she finds something better. And <laughs> so <laughs> I thought, I don't need to get the prosthetic. Yeah, so it's yeah. interesting hearing, like, that advice from, like, your surgeon because I don't think. I can't remember really because yeah. it's so long ago, but I don't think he kind of really overly spoke on that as such. I think yeah. it was just a case of you can if you want to type he, thing. He maybe could detect that I was just such a such a little Casanova <laughs> that I was going to want that, <laughs> which is not the case at all. Like, like uh, there, it wasn't like it was. Uh, there wasn't lots of action happening. You know, it was just a, a moderate amount of action. But I don't know. Maybe your wife. Maybe your wife should have been consulted on it. Maybe, maybe the surgeon should have said, "Look, do you like?" Do you like balls? Because if you do, we'll put one in. We'll put so one it in. Yeah. Be any different? Yeah, it, um, it could have been a very different outcome. You know, yeah, I think yeah. she would have opted for three. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> one with a little remote control in it, just a yeah. sort of like uh, it lights up. Yeah, or... well, it vibrates. A vibrates bit, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Listen, this could be a, a new business for us. Prosthetic balls with functionality that's yeah. controlled by the partner. Let's just keep this between you and I and the listeners. Yeah. <laughs> no deal, okay. no. Right. So <laughs> trademark, stamped as a trademark now, officially. That's okay. it. You heard it here first. That's it. Yeah. That's it, right. So you've, obviously you've, you've went through that. Um, how's, so how was how's your first round of treatment? Was that something that met your expectations? Was it, or did you have any expectations going in? I think that's the kind of question I'm wondering. Yeah, well, I think what my expectations were when they said chemo, I was like, right, that's going to be uh, like losing all my hair and, you know, like kind of weathering away, getting really pale. That's the kind of what I've seen in media of what chemo is like. Um, but yeah, like uh, Jeff White, who's the consultant oncologist who kind of... Uh, managed me through the thing, he, he's kind of like, well... There's loads of different, because, you know, like, you don't know, any, especially at that age, you don't know anything about cancer until it comes up and 
kicks you right in the nuts. And then you're like, all oh, right, okay, so now I need to find out some stuff. So he was like, this is the sort of chemo you can get. It's this uh, carboplatin intravenous uh, one dose. And then that'll be you. So yeah, I, I guess my expectations were probably on the on the drastic side. Yeah. And I was fortunate that it didn't feel all that drastic. And like when I sat and had chemo, the, the like the people next to me in the chair were like, they were, I, I felt a wee bit like a fraud because I walked in there with like, you know, like just normal, my outdoor clothes on, uh, kind of like chatting away to all the folk. Oh, how you doing? I ah, pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And without being, maybe not super sensitive, but probably a bit of a defense mechanism. I think if you sat me down in front of a therapist, they'd be able to unpick all the little stupid things that I did in my twenties. They were like, yeah, you did that because you were a scared little boy and your uh, defense mechanism is to pretend that you're not a scared little boy and uh, be friendly to everyone and be like overly overconfident or even, or just over, feel overly comfortable in the situation that you're obviously not comfortable in. Which isn't a bad thing though either. You know, it's not a bad thing. Maybe not, but I think maybe looking back on it now with a more mature head, I might mm. think that the people next to me might be like, who's this pretender? Yeah. You know, they, they, they I think the guy I spoke to was on like round nine or something, like th th three rounds of three. Mm -hmm. And... I'm just like, what are you, mate? What are you in for? <laughs> like, is this not, you know, that is kind of, yeah. that bravado maybe probably helped me, but might not have helped the people around me so much. Mm. I don't know. Anyway, we're getting off topic. No, not at um, all. But so did you get, so was it kind of more outpatient chemo that you got for your first round then? Yeah. So it was like, did, uh, or did you have to stay in hospital or was it? No, no. No, so you're... In and out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so... Um, and what were you, you were, were you a couple of rounds? Yeah, I was two rounds and I was inpatient. So my chemo was, uh, BEP. So it had, um, platinum in it. Right. Um, so it was, um, so it's I had the to, expensive stuff. That yeah, you had, I, so, yeah. And, you know, that, and that's the stuff that kind of wipes out your immune system as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I was, I was the, the two rounds and it was three courses over the, the kind of two rounds. So I was in, say I went in a Thursday night, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I was hooked up to the, the IV overnight. So yeah. Yeah. Was, so yours spread then? Um, that had the potential. So when I got my CT scan done. Jeff came and said to me, he said, listen, the new protocol is for guys in kind of your stage, um, the type of cancer that you've got is, because um, mine was embryotic, so it was growing within my testicle, not on top of it. Right. So it was just basically like, it's now moving down to one blast of chemo, but we're not quite there yet. And he said, there is maybe some cancer cells looking like they're at, like, at the lymph nodes right. uh, in your groin, uh, in your kind of abdomen. So let's uh, just do the two. Essentially, yeah. I think if I was six months later, I just would have been one round. Yeah. You know, so I, uh, I was kind of lucky and unlucky. I kind of like to think that I'm glad I got the two because it really wiped out, out those cancer cells yeah, anyway, yeah, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, um, so I, the inpatient um, was kind of very different in terms of kind of that. I used to, 
you just have to kind of pee all the time. So yeah. you'd have to, they'd, but they test it. So they'd have um, the cardboard um, bottles. Uh-huh. And me being me, I was trying to kind of have fun all the way through it. So I used to draw stuff on the bottles for the nurses. So like one would look like a golf club or yeah. a snake <laughs> yeah. or, and they always knew when I was feeling particularly rubbish because I didn't draw anything. Right. You know, yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like a swear word. Yeah, just, like, ah, you know, so. Uh, drink me. Drink, I, oh, <laughs> I wish I had known that at the time. I would have, <laughs> I would have put that on. But um, yeah, so, and that, so that was the kind of the, the difference in that. So you've had that kind of round it outpatient um, mm-hmm. chemo then. Um, How do you feel going through that? Were you, did you have any Uh, major side effects that kind of that type of thing? No, I was, the first, the first week was like, um, they just said, I can't remember, was they like, just kind of keep yourself to yourself. Like that's when you're really susceptible to picking up, you know, like a cold then feels like a hundred times worse than a cold. Um, So I, yeah, I just like, um, my, my, my wee pals from school, so Gary and Nelson, they're like, I've known them my entire life pretty much. Um, so they were quite good at looking after me. Like Nelson picked me up from the hospital, brought me to McDonald's and then they came around. I'm pretty sure Nelson lent me his console or something. Anyway, there was lots of video games, lots of FIFA. Um, and then the, th- the second week, can't really remember, third week was when I felt like shit. Was when like I was off food, couldn't really sleep that well. And uh, if you know one thing about me, Paul, mm-hmm. uh, I'm really good at eating and I'm really good at sleeping. <laughs> uh, so... You know it's bad if you can't do those two things. And even now, there's still things that I can't eat because of the, you know, like the, whatever it is, the neural pathway mm-hmm. that I associate one sort of food with just feeling like shit from chemo. So yeah, fondant icing. Really fondant can't, icing. Can't right, okay. Um, yeah, so that was kind of, the, the third week was th- the one that I just felt, you know, a bit kind of, Grotty. Aye. And fondant icing, what a shame as well. Mine's is, uh, mine was... I prefer buttercream. Buttercream anyway. <laughs> Mine's was uh, Ritz crackers. Mm. Um, Because I, 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 that was all that I could eat during it. Yeah, yeah. And um, <clears throat> the smell of lavender. Because whenever I went home, um, my, my wife had, like, we'd just got a, 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 thankfully, like at that time, I just got a new bed, a new mattress, and everything. Uh, and then, so she, but she'd have it all nice and have this beautiful, like, lavender candle. And I love the smell of lavender as well. Yeah. And then I remember not long after treatment, I'd finished, and I was, what's that? And I was like, oh, <laughs> I could just feel the wretch and stuff. Uh, I was like, I, I actually can't handle it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's gutting. Yeah. So I, it's, it's, it's funny that you, you had the same type of reaction because you speak to some people and it's like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm still all the same. But yeah, I had very much that, that wee neural pathway just went, nope, yeah. you don't like this anymore. <laughs> I suppose it, it all depends on what sort of, what your metabolism is and the, your genetic makeup, mm. right? Because some people react really well to drugs. Some people don't react well to drugs. Any kind of, like any, any kind of drugs. Um, so I think maybe I'm one that's like a wee bit sensitive to <laughs> all kinds of drugs. <laughs> Um, well, I'm yeah. definitely that because like see even like like see when you come to like the cartel and come to your coffee shop yeah. and I have and it's a it's a full on espresso like I can feel myself like kind of rattling if yeah. I have one too many that's, and it's I've got that definite like uh, not intolerance I don't think that's the right word but it's like my like caffeine sensitivity. yeah sensitivity yeah, yeah. that's the word yeah like and because I, I love caffeine I love coffee so um, but especially coming to your gaff, I'm like, yep, this is definitely yeah. full of caffeine. That's, what, that's one way, if you know you're coming, you, like, um, 
get yourself a nice little to-do list, little chores, and then you bang that one down and then just start going through the chores. Right, pick up this. <laughs> okay, uh, phone that guy. Yep, reply to that message. Yep, do-do-do. I'll have get to come, uh, I'll have to start just coming before I go to work. And uh, when we go into the office, Richie will look around and it'll be this pristine, clean office. <laughs> yeah, just a little Tasmanian devil, but the clean version. Yeah. Wrecking the place. So just to kind of move backwards a bit, you've went through that first. Mm -hmm. How long was it from kind of getting it all clear as such from your, your first diagnosis to then going into your, your second. Like pretty much straight away. Right. So like the, more or less, it was like five, I was on a five year thing. So once, once every three months for two years, once every six months for two years, and then a year between. And yeah, literally last one, Jeff was like, right, that's you off the books. Cheers. Mm -hmm. And then six months later, I uh, emailed him and I was like, can I come up to clinic? Because I think I've, found something and he was like yeah, yeah no worries uh i so i was pretty they were back to back um yeah so that's a bit annoying back to back ball to ball ball to ball, ball, to ball. yeah yeah ball to ball that must have been like heartbreaking though like were you see when you went when you got that diagnosis were you still single at that point or had you met your now wife no, no, or, yeah, I, yeah. Was, I was i was locked down right loved up yeah loved up yeah right. properly loved up um yeah so it was, it was a, like completely different situation you know you, you went from a boy you know mm. to a man mm -hmm. uh yeah so like really secure in the relationship um obviously thinking about like future plans um all this kind of thing so yeah that, that was a little bit more multi-faceted with obviously thinking oh, okay now there's somebody else who like will be really worried about me so better like be a bit more sensitive to that and that has to be managed and then obviously when you're thinking about the future it's like if you want kids got to have nuts to have kids um actually it turns out you don't <laughs> So yeah, that was a bit more tricky to manage. And, and obviously the second one, you're like, oh, come on. Like, no, I don't have any balls. Great. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's a lot harder to kind of mentally uh, file away. Again, if you brought a the therapist in, you'd be like, look at all this overcompensation this guy's doing. Um, but yeah, so uh, went up to Jeff. Jeff sent me down for an ultrasound that day pretty much and he was like come back um what did he say? i think he phoned me on monday and he was like come you need to come into clinic on this friday and i walked in and he just looked at me and he was like do my best jeff impression and he was like we've got a problem that's a pretty good jeff impression. I, was like, <laughs> I was like okay okay so he sat me down and then uh yeah i think i probably was in shock i was just a bit like okay cool Right, right, Jeff, right, yeah. Um but then you you're you're immediately on the rails of like so that was that was a Friday Friday you're getting the diagnosis, Monday you're in surgery. Then another round of chemo. So was the, the chemo the same as you got previously? Was it the exact same type? Carbo, yeah, 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 right. Delicious carbo. Aye. Um yeah, so that was that was really, really quick turnaround. And I don't know because it was a separate it was a, a, a new primary. So it was actually nothing to do with the, the, f the first one was stage one seminoma. Mm -hmm. The second one was stage one seminoma. 
Oh, so it wasn't anything to do? Uh, no, no, no. It just, you just were just unlucky brand, enough to get a brand, brand new, new cancer? Primary. Wow. And it's some, some mad, like, low percentage of doubles. I, I think it's, it's not. I mean, even to get it as a, like, a, a kind of a double is 2%, I think, of all, all the cases can be. So that's pretty low. But then to have your situation, I, it's, 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 that's a lottery um, kind of odds, isn't it? Not, yeah, no, you mean like, so I one that then jumps to the other one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. I'm special, I guess. You're definitely special, mate. You're definitely special. I <laughs> uh, so... Um, Surgery, and yeah, and I, I probably was a, a little bit darker about it. The surgeon was like, "Do you want a prosthetic?" I was like, "Don't bother, <laughs> don't bother, just do it." Um, yeah, so I that that was the thing about that was like the the, the very one of the first things because because I'd been through it before. I was like, probably not going to die, but not going to have any nuts. So. I think if you asked Jeff, he'd be like, that was literally the first thing out of his mouth. I was like, will I still be able to have sex? And uh, he was like, yes, you know nothing about the human body. <laughs> it's like, you don't need those to have sex. So uh, that was quite good. Um, and then he just kind of talked me through it. And I don't know whether I'm just the, maybe I'm the kind of person that is really susceptible to instruction. So when, you know, if like if someone's shocked and then you just say, okay, but here's what you need to do. This, 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 this. And I just go, yes, boss, yes, boss, yes, boss. And crack on. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I probably do need a lot of therapy. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, that, that all happened then back for chemo. Luckily, the early, the, the first time I had it, um, in between surgery and chemo they got me to go down and uh reserve some of my boys um so did a little uh what's the best way to put it without putting too fine a point on it saved some saved some sperm in a freezer <laughs> uh for future me to enjoy uh not with a coffee but like to use oh yeah no no just just like <laughs> not like it's like an empire biscuit, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah so and again at that at that point i was like well uh, yeah like kids maybe but kind of need to find the right partner for kids and all that stuff um and then you fast forward to 2019 was like oh, i want to have kids with that woman um so yeah luckily we were able to make use of that because the second time was so quick between diagnosis and surgery that there was no time oh wow there wasn't even time to have a wank wow <laughs> so, <laughs> i can't believe they did that <laughs> that's terrible yeah well i think that they knew they were like there's you've got reserves in the freezer we don't need to waste any more time i don't know whether because there's not so much uh data around like a second primary diagnosis that they may be like well any time wasted is time we don't really want to waste because yeah. we don't know so uh i just get it off yeah uh yeah so so did you go to was it was it queen margaret or something to do your sample or did you just do it in i just did it in the bathroom <laughs> just <laughs> no it was um the nuffield opposite garnaval right it's kind of sits in like annie's land okay yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I think I, I think I got sent to the the Queen Margaret, and it was 
the weirdest experience. Yeah. Eh? Yeah, it's I, very strange. I think as well, like, so imagine like, this is the room where you're, you know, you're, you've got your TV on the wall, you've got the, the, the box of pornos that looks like a painter's radio. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I didn't touch the, I didn't touch the, I brought my own. Yeah. I just, I was like, <laughs> you know, I'm just going to hammer down and <laughs> just, whatever comes, comes. Just think of the best thing. <laughs> but um, the weird thing for me was though, I was right next to the staff room. So while having to give a sample, I was listening to the nurses talk about their annual leave. <laughs> oh, really? Not thinking about like, oh, the no. nurse is saying, I wish I was in there with her. <laughs> so then when I'm, and I come out with my cup, and as I'm coming out with my cup, one of the nurses comes out and goes, you get an okay, oh, on okay, and you're like, you're a little bit sweaty, you're a yeah, little bit kind of embarrassed, yeah, yeah. and then somebody's asking you, you get an on okay, and you've got a hand full of sperm. <laughs> you're like, you tell me. <laughs> huh? It's like, huh? well, I nearly filled the cup. Yeah, I need another cup. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, I mean, the whole process is very odd. Yeah. Like, there, there's loads of odd bits about it, even, like, that's definitely the first time that like the, the my first diagnosis was the first time that I'd ever like shown a doctor my cock and balls yeah yeah and knowing what to do with them would be like because they they don't say they don't spell it out for you and say right so I'm gonna close the curtain then you just take off everything and then what what side is it that you want examined? And so if, if it's the left side, I want you to move everything else to the right and just hold it with your hands. Yeah. Which I like is, how you use two hands there, <laughs> Just hold it with your hands. <laughs> <laughs> so just hold it with your hands. <laughs> um, yeah, so that would be great instruction to have. Because if you leave it up to me, I will do the stupidest way like if you ask my wife about how I go through tasks, she'd be like, that's not, that's not the most efficient way to do that. <laughs> and it would be the same with us. So like I went in, she said, all right, just, um, so just like get your trousers down and let's have a look. So shoes off, socks off, trousers off, boxers off on the, on the bed. Um, and I was like, well, I don't, again, overthinking, I was like, I don't want to like hold it because that does that look like uh <laughs> sort of like uh george michael on the cover of whatever that album is you know where he's sort of like oh yes perched. yeah i, I was like that, that, that looks a bit like not a come on but it maybe looks a bit odd so maybe i'll just not touch anything but then if something's in the way then what i'm saying is you're going to move that for me that's also not great. So I think in the end, I just kind of like, I, I can't remember what I did. Anyway, it was just very, very odd. Yeah. Um, and yeah, then the same with going up for the, to give the deposit. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just a very kind of, I think I made odd outfit choices that day as well. So like a lot of clothes had to come off. And then, yeah, kind of like coming out of the the room. Like I think my buttons were like slightly not in the right oh really you know where you're just a bit like frantic like i don't want them to think i'm really enjoying this you know like taking 45 minutes and like i was like yeah, just get out quickly and then i think my buttons were like slightly misaligned you don't want them to think like this guy's brought in candles he's brought in, <laughs> yeah. he's brought in lotion <laughs> like he's he's really gonna yeah. be there a while <laughs> barry barry white <laughs> barry white playing yeah. in the background <laughs> 
So yeah, very, very odd, just generally. It's, it's odd when it's to do with your, your cock and balls. It's, it's just odd. Yeah, and uh, again, I think that's like the hope for for these conversations is, you know, not it's not just guys going through it, but guys in general. Like, you've, you kind of hit the nail on the head earlier on when you were saying about, you know, typical West of Scotland male, you know, not really kind of want to think about it or, or act on it. And it's, and it's these conversations that we have to have because there is absurdity within these things. It's like when when I went to get my my scan, my very first scan, I walked up and by this point I had had three people touch my genitals that wasn't my wife. Do you know what I mean? And it was like, okay. Just I, on the bus. On the yeah, just on the bus. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, like this is, this is easy. I, nobody's bothered. I'm just going to go in. So I walked through to the ultrasound room and walked in pull my jeans down as I thought uh, I should and the wee wife turns round and is aghast that I'm standing there flapping in the wind and she's like, oh son, I need a chaperone. And I'm like, oh, I'm really sorry. But just as I go to pull up my trousers, I'm bent over down at my ankles. This wee nursing assistant walks in at the back of me and goes, oh, it's a full moon. <laughs> and I'm like, just caught in this absurd situation where I'm like, well, the chaperone's here. And then the wee wife just looked at me and get up in the bed. Yeah. So I just kind of waddled. <laughs> There's nothing else left to see. No, it's like, well, the worst's happened. Yeah. You know, yeah, and yeah. I think it's like, and I, and I say that when I go out and do talks, the doctors and nurses have seen mere cocks and balls than they care to even admit. Yeah. You know, they, they don't care about yours. Yeah, I th that's probably the hard thing for me to, 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 to take with my ego is that someone would not care about seeing my penis. <laughs> like, what? You don't care? Oh, come on. You care a wee bit. No, no. They don't care. They don't care. I'm not much an exhibitionist. Like, uh, I'm just, I'm always like aghast that nobody's like, ah, put it away. It's like, no, no, come here. Like, oh, oh. <laughs> come here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here's Paul, cock out again, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but I suppose, like, I suppose, like, yeah, I sometimes worry, see, when I talk about this stuff, I sometimes worry that I'm, like, too glib and find it too funny. Mm-hmm. But I don't like. Obviously, I don't find it funny because it was serious. It's serious. It's serious that people are going through it now. But I think as a coping mechanism, like objectively, see if you can. I like take a step back. Loads of this stuff is really humorous. Even like getting the, the ultrasound is like you know they put the the gel on, they, they whack the gel on, and then they kind of. I feel so nice. <laughs> I mean, it is nice, it is nice, but objectively it feels nice. In the moment it's not nice because you think, well, maybe I'm dying of cancer. But yeah, so I suppose it's it's important to realise that glibness about it only goes so far. But it is also a coping mechanism for the for the bleak oblivion yeah. of darkness that is having cancer. But it works as well. I think that's that's saying like you and I have had a very similar outlook on how we were dealing with it. Like that my whole um kind of cancer journey was based around it just being like just being glib with it and being funny with it and, and probably the exact same as you. I'm I'm just this wee guy from Falkirk who was walking in and going, Hello, how are you doing? Drawing shit on on urine bottles and things like that to 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 make myself laugh more than anything. Mm, I think yeah, yeah. that was always the the thing like objectively you could look at it and go oh look who's this guy you know always cracking jokes and trying to make folk laugh but actually i was i was more doing it for myself more than anything yeah yeah i, I think that's where that that kind of almost 
whimsical humour about my genitals kind of really helped. Yeah, <laughs> so it's yeah, like, yeah. well, I've got to make the jokes, otherwise I'd be sitting crying yeah, you know, yeah, about yeah. it. Laugh or you're crying. Yeah. yeah. So the, the, the interesting thing for me is, though, is that you, you, quit, you didn't have that downtime off recovery. So you were like, you're, you've not got cancer, then you've got cancer. Because for me, like, my, the way that I kind of, it's almost like the laughter stopped for me at one point. And that was probably about, weirdly, about six months after it. Um, I've talked about this before where I was sitting in the bath on my son's fifth birthday. You know, the family had all come around and I couldn't move out of the bath. I was just, no emotion at all, just none lack. Yeah, yeah. Sheer lack of emotion, just looking at a dripping tap. The water stone cold by the time... You know, I eventually got out and knew there was something wrong. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it was definitely that kind of, you know, um, certainly that depressive mood, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and, and had to kind of find how to kind of resolve that. And that happened well after it. You know, people think you're going through cancer, that you're going to feel that during it. But I didn't. I don't know. Were you the same? Did you feel a kind of sense of sadness and overwhelmness that first time round or...? Probably not. Mm-hmm. I think I just went into like siege mentality or, uh, or Sir Alex Ferguson, like siege mentality or, um, yeah, like back against the wall. So it's kind of, a, you're adrenalized, you're, you're just a little bit like, all oh, this is new. So it's, yeah, I suppose fueled by nervous energy disguised as being comfortable and and fine with it um but yeah it probably after it yeah pro- probably like once the sea to so the stormy seas had died down and you're sort of picking through the wreckage and then you're like oh that, that bit in my brain is a bit fucked yeah um yeah but i, I think I, I, I don't think I got depressed about it, but I probably do, did and probably do carry a little bit of anxiety somewhere about health. And is that probably like that little bit of kind of PTSD style mm, thing yeah, that yeah. goes on in your head? So carrying that into your, your second diagnosis, you know, how were you just as you were in the first one obviously you'd had a, a period of maturity and age at time had went by mm-hmm. as well and then you're obviously you know you're you're loved up and mm-hmm. you're in a, a kind of strong relationship was there any conversations that I, i've spoke to somebody before was there any conversations between uh, yourself and your now wife was there any how is this relationship going to function after it um, the, the the example that I, I can, I'm, I'm talking about is that they actually had a conversation. Well, I don't want to be a widow. I don't want to get married or be a be a widow as such right, with, yeah, with yeah. your health. Um, was that something? Like, was that even not to maybe that extreme? But was that type of conversation something you guys had, or was it just uh, you're in with the trenches, kid? Yeah, not not at all. Like mm. I think that's it was one of the things that um, like catalyzed, not catalyzed. Come on, brain. Like it, it sort of crystallized in my head that this is the person who I'll be with forever. Because like when it happened, it was just like she's just ride or die. Mm. Just like okay, so what we're doing, what we're doing now about this. There was never 
any kind of like, I suppose, doubt or, you know, she, she would sort of take me as I am no matter what. So like, I think all that crystallized in my head that like, she'll be standing there regardless of the outcome. No matter what, yeah. And I, I guess regardless of the outcome of any other health issues that should crop up down the line. Yeah. And I'd be the same for her. So I guess it's that. But uh, you probably don't ever get to realise that until something really shit happens and then you're like, oh, they're like that. They're like that at their core. So that's a good thing. So I'll, I'll just hang around with that person, uh, which is quite, again, like to look for the positives in all these situations. Like you might never find that out about a person. Um, but it's nice when you do. Oh, it definitely is. I, I think both my wife and I had that same realisation. I mean, we'd been together for a while, but it was that... Oh, you're my ride or die. This is yeah, this is yeah, us. Like yeah. we are, we are in we are in the thick of this, of everything together. Yeah. And it's it's quite a, it's it's almost like that kind of come to Jesus moment. You go, ah, this is this is excellent. You know, I've you know yeah, uh, yeah. you know somebody's picked me oddly enough <laughs> to be that, but I've also found the person that yeah, you are exactly who I need yeah. to be that. And I, and I always say that like uh, my wife was my absolute rock through it all you mm. know what I mean like and I had some crappy moments during my thing I had like I had sepsis at one point my my wound dehissed um so it's like so basically um the wind was closed I don't know how they have the stitches uh-huh. internal stitches yeah so I'm probably butchering this so any medical person whoever watches this like you're telling this wrong Paul but it was it just basically started to pop so the the stitches in the inside started to kind of not go so I had this huge massive welt I was in hospital with that and then ended up with bird flu uh, at one point as well during my treatment and I remember Jeff like uh, when I went for my last one the chemo was like you've been through the middle of it like yep definitely but uh, let's get this done as if you didn't have enough to deal with yeah so what happened when it dehissed Mm -hmm. what's in that can they burst do they burst that and it comes out or Um, well luckily there was like a, a small type kind of hole that the surgical wound had already left so like all that infection you know mm-hmm. uh, came out um through that but they could have they may have had to have opened up and cleaned it essentially but thankfully i never i never needed that so um like i but guys don't worry you're not going to have to go through this hopefully yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. the, this is an odd paul mccaffrey thing you've taken all the the bird flu the dehist yeah the sepsis <laughs> I, that's for everybody actually at one point as well thought they'd put a prosthetic in because I remember like going, there's something not right down there. And I was like, and it was at the point where I could touch, like, and it not be sore. And I'm going, there's this massive thing. And I was like, they've put a prosthetic in there. And I was feeling it and it felt like a testicle. So much to the point when I went up to, and it was causing me pain. And so much to the point when I went up to the a the doctor at a was like, are you sure you didn't get a prosthetic put in? And I'm like, I promise you, like, and I was raging, I was like, see if they've put one in, and I didn't ask for it, and um, it turned out it was just a, um, what do you call it? It's terrible, hematoma. So oh, yeah. where one of the, so where one of the veins had kind of, it just basically swollen up like a balloon, so it was just a blood sack inside my, my scrotum that made it look like I had two balls, and, and for a second I was like, oh, I've got two balls again. <laughs> or even worse, if they, they'd done the surgery but just forgotten to take your cancerous testicle out, oh, out like, oh we just got distracted we were chatting about something and we just yeah. sewed you up and then we're just laughing f- at the size of your penis ball yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like a penis it's just smaller it's just smaller <laughs> I was going to ask you how you 
then dug yourself out or did you get help to dig yourself out of the depressive phase? Because it's quite interesting, like where whether you can get it internally, can you just motivate yourself to get out of it or whether it was from external things, your son? Your wife. Yeah, I think I with mine, I said, especially like I, I, there was a lot of kind of play. I think, you know, you would have had that. I mean, you probably had that more than anybody, you know, that, that testosterone drop, you know, but I think that really kind of that testosterone drop and it affected my, maybe slightly affected my mood at that point anyway. But then that sudden realization of like, oh, I've had cancer. Like it was really quite, it was quite burdensome at that point and it really weighed on me. Um, I, because of my time working um, within mental health um, and my wife being a mental health nurse, I opted to kind of go down the pharmaceutical route uh, to kind of just pull that up. And that worked for a period of time, you know, mm. um, and what what helped come off the tablets that, that time was my wife, my, like my son, you know, trying um, when we went to kind of try for a, a baby and you had those fertility issues mm-hmm. um um even you know a year or so after uh having that that's kind of really what what helped uh me just kind of overcome that a little bit and obviously you know uh, uh, for me there's become a bit of a a weakness there and i have good days and bad days i'm, I'm not always quite the I'm not the same person as I was before my cancer diagnosis. I, was, I, I like to think, I, I genuinely like to think I'm a better person since it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not quite as, you know, fraught as I kind of once more as I was always quite, you know, for all I was outgoing, I, I always felt like an introverted extrovert. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, I would, you know, uh, you've seen me so many times now. I'm gregarious, I can chat, I can do this, but uh, there's times where I'm so balled up with like, Oh, am I doing the right thing or saying the right thing? Yeah, you know, yeah, I get yeah. really nervous, um, but I never show that as such. Um, but that worsened that um, almost imposter syndrome thing. Mm. Uh, and then I was having a shitty time at work, all that type of thing. So moving careers, you know, um, Pam and I ended up having um, a second child and all that type of thing. So that 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 helped that um, um, coming out of the the doldrums of depression yeah, as it yeah, were yeah. you know but i think it's like when you look at that fertility thing you more than most are going to understand that that's a what a burden that must have been for for you guys um when you had that second diagnosis you you know that you're getting it removed you know that you're having to go through chemo anyway mm-hmm. how, how long like uh, this might be kind of two personal question you might not know the timeline but how long was it where you had that thought of you know, are we going to want to have kids? Was there any conversation around that when you got your second diagnosis? Uh, yeah, because we were kind of... Oh, no, am I going to get my, my timelines blurry a wee bit? Because we were... Where are we trying for kids? Or where we, we... We were... The two things happened pretty close together. I can't remember which was first, was that we were like... Let's have let's have some babies, and then diagnosis. But I can't remember. We, we were sort of just very slowly thinking about IVF as a route. So it must have been I. We must have been thinking before, just before the diagnosis. Maybe we're like, ah, maybe it's not quite 
going to plan. I need to ask my wife about yeah. the, the timeline. Is, yeah, it must have been that though, because it yeah. must have been maybe we've been trying for. Ah, the thing is, yeah, it could have been like a couple of months. Maybe we were like trying for kids and nothing was really happening. Mm. Maybe it, it might have been three months. I don't, I, I don't know. Yeah. You need to ask my manager. Yeah. Listen, um, as men, we, we don't know. I, I I remember my cousin telling me like they were trying. He's like, yeah, I've been trying for a few months. And his wife went, we've been trying for a year. He's yeah. like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying for a few days. No, we must, I, yeah, we must have been trying in a sort of casual way. Yeah. And then either just beginning to be like, if we want to do this, if we actually do want to do this, I think we need help. Mm -hmm. And then I think, then I think it must have been that, the diagnosis, the second diagnosis, and then like, all right, well, it's kind of, it leaves a lot of uh, unknowns off the table because now we know this is the, the way forward. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that like, the thing with that, that, that's probably the most frustrating bit of the journey is then, Going down the IVF path is worse for Shan yeah. than it is for me, especially during COVID. Like, see, during COVID, I didn't even go in the hospital. Mm -hmm. So for the appointments, I was just in the car. So she would go in, then get, you know, like pumped for the drugs. Then, you know, the process, process, process. And I would just be like, all right, I'll just drop you off. I'll just wait outside see in 20 minutes kind of thing and so the impact is it's almost like uh it was my fault oh god it was my fault but then she's kind of having to pay the physical price for that yeah and then all the way up until thankfully here's the good news then uh she got pregnant um and now we got a baby mm. but yeah like that's all her i mean yeah pregnancy like there's no two ways about that. It's always the woman that has to bear the child. But yeah, the process to lead up to that was all, again, it's her making physical sacrifices and me just being like, see in 20 minutes, I'm just going to do Instagram for a bit. Like, it, it, So again, you just feel a bit like, oh, sort of powerless and yeah, and un, also a little bit uninvolved because of COVID. Like they're like, oh yeah, you kind of come in. Like, all right, I might as well not be here. Yeah, yeah, especially because I'm not, you know, I'm not also not going there to like give the sample on the day that the egg is going to be fertilized because I did it six years ago, so they're just unfreezing it. So all that stuff is like, I just go on holiday for two weeks and then let me know when you're pregnant, kind of thing. Um, oh dear, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but again, that must have that like, um, and I don't mean ego as in like that kind of. Um, the me ego, but the ego of self going, I'm not involved in any of this, you know, yeah. it's like, and to, for you, especially, you know, having gone through two testicular cancers and then not being involved, how did you, how did you reconcile that then? Like you, like, is it something that you have reconciled even, you know, to the, even though you've got your beautiful wee baby in front of you, mm. have you reconciled that thought and, and drain on you um, mentally? Um, from not being able to be involved in all that, especially because of COVID? Uh, try not to think about it. No, I don't know. Like, uh, I suppose that doesn't matter now. Like, it's not really... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I was just... I, uh, do you know I, that I, way? I was like, oh, I'm, Paul, you're getting too deep. <laughs> no, I, I, like, it's a I, question that came to mind. But it's interesting because, like, it's... You know, if you if you want to find the deep things, you got to ask the deep mm -hmm. questions. Uh 
Yeah, I don't, but I don't, I don't know whether, like, sh- is there a reconciliation? Like, the way I feel is that um, Shan is owed a debt <laughs> by me, yeah. by the NHS, no, by me, um, for 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 that kind of like that definitely that process, and we had ups and downs with that process, which was really really like, actually, there's there's parts of that process that. Um, I, they're probably the bleakest times compared to going through cancer. Right. In terms of like the way where you place your hopes and then your hopes are dashed and, mm. you know, that kind of thing. So it's really, really difficult. So I like, I, I, uh, oh God, we're going to go off, off on a tangent. Right. Um, so like the other thing that sometimes I worry is that I see when people tell me that they have a problem with like some sort of problem like you have to have like quite a high level problem for me to be sympathetic okay like i don't know that's probably a bad thing about me um yeah like i feel like if if someone says i I can't think of an example but the concept is having been through cancer twice I'm like, see to kind of, <laughs> yeah. see to get a reaction out of me, you have to have a pretty high level, especially if it's a health thing, it has to be pretty high level, otherwise I'm just like, well, it's not two cancers, so <laughs> can't be that bad. But um, <laughs> to come back around, yeah, the the IVF thing is, is a lot more, uh, or, or in my experience of it, a lot more painful, a lot more difficult to manage mentally for both of you and also for the relationship as well so that's where i do have a a tremendous amount of empathy for people who are going through that Mm -hmm. um as well it's like very very difficult and uh just through my my own experiences not we were very lucky in the sense that we were at the point of almost having to do ivf Mm -hmm. it was about two years of trying with nothing and then we got to the point of right we're going to go away um, for uh, we went went a weekend away at Poland. We thought, right, we're going to go away and we're going to just relax and try and just enjoy this time, mm-hmm. and then you know go down the IVF route, which was for me as well. Like I think, you know, again, I always say that my my ego isn't tied to. Oh, my, sorry, my masculinity isn't tied to my Tesco, right? Mm-hmm. But there was an element of my masculinity tied to having a like creating a life with my mm-hmm. wife. You know what I mean? That was that was always the kind of big thing. So. Um, you can see how hard it was on her when we weren't conceiving, you know, because I mean, it's that ups and downs anyway um, when you're trying naturally, you know. Um, yeah. And then to go from not having that ability to, we went away to Poland and came home, you know, and then I think it was only a matter of weeks, you know, and Pamela was like, I'm kind of something going on yeah. and it turned out she was pregnant yeah. you know so we, we were very lucky that we didn't have to take that final final step but the the whole lead up to that that the preamble and going to all the, the appointments and and um all that was something that was quite uh eye-opening yeah, in terms yeah. of so i have i'm i'm kind of like you i have a lot of empathy and compassion for you know people who are going through it i've had fa- like you know family members and friends who have had to go down that route and it, it seems such a difficult thing mm-hmm. you know especially with some of the you know the losses that people will feel you know right. you know having um times where 
you know, the exes don't want to attach. And, yeah, yeah. you know, that must be horrible to go through. Not, yeah. not just as, you know, the, the woman who's going through it, but to sit there as a partner and go, I've no control here. Mm, you know, mm, and, yeah. and like you say, you know, um, your wife, she obviously sacrificed a lot physically mm. to then be in the position to go do IVF. Yeah. So yeah, it's, 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 and it's something that, it, again, we need to talk about um, more and it just gives people a, an understanding out with. And I think that's, that's why having these conversations is, is, I think one, it's it's amazing for me because I get to learn so much more about the other side of like artistic cancer that I never experienced. But to to be able to talk about this and have people hopefully tune in and listen and yeah. and 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 feel that lived experience and and know that there is always hope. I think that's the mm. the kind of main thing. Like I always kind of I try to kind of get that across in my talks. Having cancer is. It sucks. It's horrible. And like you say, yeah, I laughed and I I was glib through it all. And it's not funny to some people. And some people won't laugh at their cancer. Yeah. I did. Mm-hmm. And that's that's okay. But at the end of the day, you you've always got to have that hope. And then that's and then you have these stories like yourself. And actually when I'm out my talks, uh I use your video that oh, we yes. uh, you know, it's like uh, and this is the poster boy for Cohonas, this is Todd. <laughs> But um, and I, and I, and but your your story is so um, heartwarming, and especially at the point you know where um, you know you're able to tell people that hey you've you've got a, in the video obviously you know your wife's pregnant yeah, you know yeah. but now you have a physical human yeah <laughs> in front of you. yeah yeah, yeah I, I suppose then when you look at for me anyway like the outcome. Like if, if I, if someone said, that, oh, you can have both your nuts back, but your life, you know, like the butterfly effect, your life will be slightly different. I wouldn't, I wouldn't take my nuts back. I've lost way more valuable things than my own nuts. Um, <laughs> that's, that doesn't like, that doesn't really bother me. Um, but yeah, like the story has a happy outcome so far. Mm-hmm. Uh but yeah, what I, I do wonder what it would be like if it didn't have a happy outcome and how hard that would be. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard because you, like, it's easy for me to tell this story because I know where it goes and I, and I know it, like, it, it ends good. But, um, yeah, some stories don't. Yeah. Oh, no, no, we're kind of undoing <laughs> your point. But, like, what I'm trying to say is, like, yeah, I, I try and be, I have to learn to try and be a bit conscious about sharing that um because maybe maybe some people don't want to hear like i don't want to hear your flipping story about uh, your little cancer journey and then now you've got a kid and good for you like there are people are going through way tougher situations but yet at the same time if one you know like if if i had listened to my story when i was younger before my first diagnosis I wouldn't have hesitated to go to the doctor I probably would have been a lot more conscious about doing self-checks a lot more conscious about what to look for uh, and yeah would have felt maybe that there's other people going through the same thing 
Yeah. I, no, I feel the same. I think that, and again, I've, I've spoken about this before, where if me and my wife had seen our story and all the things that, the, question, the unanswered questions, because until I met you, I hadn't met anybody else with testicular cancer. You know, so even even when I went through treatment, there was nobody in the ward I was in. There was like, there was obviously other cancer patients, but it was, um, you know, bone cancer, lung cancer and stomach cancer was all mm. the And it was all older guys, yeah. you know, um, so I, I didn't meet anybody else. So and, and oddly, I felt I felt that statistic of it being low cases in Scotland as such compared comparatively. Yeah. The odd thing is, though, since coming out of that and coming out of the NHS and coming at my role with Cojones, is that I think those stats are wild because every time I go somewhere now, if I go and do a talk or a presentation or even just like a, a kind of a, a, a stall somewhere, mm -hmm. somebody always says, oh, my uncle had it or yeah, yeah. my son had it. Um, or oh, I went through it. And you're going, wait a minute, I, I've, I'm only in Glasgow and I've met 50 people. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's the aim is to, to have this as a resource for guys who... Again, they don't have to have to stick like answer to listen to this, but to to know. But it helps. But it definitely <laughs> helps. It definitely helps, especially when like again you're you're hearing stories, and there is going to be stories of, you know, that are a little bit darker in terms of it. You know, we were just lucky in terms of the way we were caught, the way we were looked after. Mm -hmm. I think, um, yeah, I think that's 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 the kind of the big takeaway from me was that I was so lucky. In terms of kind of the the events that led to me finding my lump and using Cohonis's um, self check guide, you know, if I hadn't have thought there was something, if I hadn't been doing a charity run, I maybe wouldn't have thought there was a problem. Yeah, yeah. If I didn't think there was a problem, I wouldn't have found Cohonis. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, all yeah. these things, and then you you got looked after by the same team that I did, and mm. by God, they were amazing. Yeah, you know, yeah. I I couldn't thank Jeff and the team more than the time that I had you know, went through my treatment. It's it's amazing when you meet that those types of people. You know, and now getting to meet guys like you, you know, and we've met other just like cancer survivors and it just seems to be um I this wee community, you know, yeah. that, that's kinda forging out of it. Are you are you sick of telling your story or do you, do you, you know, cause I, I know that I'm, I'm not necessarily Are mine. you sick of hearing it? No, 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 I hear it every talk. So, uh, I, I, cause I thought that I would be and there's times where I think, oh, maybe, maybe people are sick of hearing my story, but actually I don't, I don't think that, that there is a kind of, a thing. I, I, I went through a period of, oh, fuck, I'm going to be fed up. Um, you going, cancer, testicular cancer. Um, but you're not, you've, I mean, for the minute we've met, you've been very open and very kind of like, um, I, you've let us in yeah. know, to your life about it as well. Uh, yeah, I, no, I, like I'm not sick of it. Like for me, it's quite repetitive, right? Obviously, because I just go through it 20 times a day in my head. <laughs> um, but I suppose what I think is that by sharing, you might, you might just nudge one other person into action about their own health. And and if that's the case, then that's good enough. 
So for every person who might be like, oh, here he fucking goes about his balls again. Um, like, okay, fine. But like, I, 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 I have an anecdotal, um, like there was a, a guy, I won't say what bank it is, but I went in to get my finances in order. Mm. And uh, I can't remember how we got onto the topic. I don't know whether cojones came up or something like that. And uh, and he was like, oh, what's, I can't, I can't remember what it was. It was like something on, I can't, I can't remember. Anyway, I was, I was, I think I was wearing the wee badge. Ah, okay. Actually, and he was like, "What's the badge? The the infinity um, balls." Mm. And uh, and I was like, "Oh, it's cojones, blah 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 blah." And then he was, he basically described to me what was going on in his nut bag at that time. And I was like, "I should probably even get a checked, man." To be honest. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, I went back like two weeks later, and he was like, "I did go and get it checked. It's nothing, but I'm like, I'm really glad I went and got it checked." And I told him like a very potted history of like my story, and uh, yeah, I mean, like, I'm not sick of telling it if if I think it can help, you know, like past version of me, yeah, or like other people who who were like that, where you like going through life at that age no responsibilities, really physically able and nothing on your radar to suggest that I'm ever going to die. Mm. <laughs> and and then to suddenly be like pushed into action and be like, yeah, you do have to look after that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's valuable. So uh, that's a long way of saying, no, I'm not sick of telling <laughs> that's amazing story. though. But, but that's the, and I suppose that's a good thing. Eh? It's like, that we're able to kind of action something that we would have wanted. Uh, I think we've talked before where you didn't learn about this in school. Mm. I didn't learn about this in school. And I think that's, again, as cojones, we're trying to really push that education point. And exactly like you said, you know, if, if we can get one person to go and then you've got that guy for the bank, I know when I do my talks, there's at least one person comes up to me and goes, oh, I've had this pain or it's incredible. Like it's almost a hundred percent of the time. It's wild. Um, and you give the same advice, you know, I just go and get that checked out, you know, go, please go to the doctors and then you maybe get a message. You know, we've had some, you know, guys at football clubs, you know, DM us and be like, after your talk, I felt there was something, went to the doc, got it checked, but thankfully it's okay, but thanks for coming in. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. That's what we're wanting, and we're trying to prove that I, as men, we don't talk about these things. But it doesn't mean we won't listen if we do. I think yeah, that's the big yeah. key, and and being able to you know have voices like yours, you know, and the other guests that we're going to have on this podcast is really going to help kind of get that message out there. It's it's all right to talk about your balls, you know. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. You know, you don't have to be scared. They're there. They're out in the open for all to see. <laughs> <laughs> or, or is that just me? Yeah, that's just you. That's <laughs> so, just you. Then you just, like, okay, you that's, just that, yeah. that's that exhibitionist part of me again. But but it is, you know, it's 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 a hope, you know, that we can do that. And I think that's always been amazing. Like, you know, from that kind of first day meeting yourself and and knowing that there's other guys out there that are willing to share their story. I think mm. that's always the, the kind of big thing. And you're finding that more and more, you know, guys coming forward and saying, oh, I'll tell my story. You know, it's yeah, like, yeah. yeah, please do. You yeah. know, it's such a a beautiful wee community, you know. And I think that's why we're going to kind of try and go into that peer support thing where if cojones, if we can do it, 
you know, just get guys that are going through it or want or or having at any point of their journey and able to kind of, you know, just go out for a coffee, you know, you know, come to the cartel and just sit, have a blather, not necessarily talk about the fact that you've got cancer, yeah, but yeah, yeah. just to have um, this beautiful kind of like community feel as such, yeah. which I think, you know, and this isn't me blowing smoke, but I think you're coffee shop does that anyway you know? oh, it's, like, it's, on, it's yeah. such an amazing like uh it's such an amazing wee hub like and, and i suppose this is me getting off track but i just wanted to kind of know see when you guys were putting the cartel together and you found your premises and all that mm-hmm. what what is it that's made the shop feel the way it does because you walk in and you instantly feel like at home you genuinely do there's not a pretension to it where there's some coffee shops you walk in and you can feel the the snobbery the chill in the air. yeah there's something yeah hmm. good question i think like one of the things i would say is like because uh, we did the majority of the fit out ourselves uh definitely in the beginning we were like you know giving it a big push to get it off the ground uh, it was just me and my business partner there. So you're kind of setting the tone for the business um, and for what it can be to people. And initially you're like, all right, well, cool. So there's there's no airs and graces because I know that if you push that bit of the wall, that bit's going to fall down. And I know that um, around the corner there, that's where we keep all the shit that we don't want people to see. So like um, it it doesn't have a kind of like stuffy feel the space, like physically it doesn't, uh, visually it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, like I'm, I'm a friendly person. I'm a customer service guy. So that's like my big thing is just, I, I just like, I just love giving people a good time. <laughs> like I just really like uh, the simplicity of like that transaction. Someone comes in, they want a really good coffee and like that really nice donut. And they can give me a fiver and they can get that. Uh, and they're like, oh yeah, that was great. Yeah, Come and do that again tomorrow. And it's just dead easy and it's social. So again, setting the tone, setting the tone. You're like, well, we're just a friendly kind of neighborhood coffee spot. And we just sort of like, we, we roast our own coffee. So it's all, there's a thread of integrity going through the whole business because you know that when you come in, you can see the coffee's been roasted there. It's been packed there, they're brewing it there, and I'm walking out with it, and I, you can buy your retail and stuff. And that's all, now we have a team, but when you run the thread of integrity through, you can see that there's the, the common factor is the, the, the people that are involved. So it's not like some big conglomerates come in and be like, dump a load of money there, make a kind of cool uh, coffee shop, and we'll just scrape off the profits. It's, it's, it, it doesn't have that feel because it's not that. Yeah, it definitely so it's just doesn't a, feel it's like just that. just has a, an authenticity to it. Um, and again, like the neighbourhood is very... Before we were there, there wasn't like any anything similar to that kind of well, wanky coffee shop. <laughs> um, yeah, and we're just lucky that the we've been ab- adopted by the the neighbourhood. We didn't think we didn't think really what we wanted to do was roast coffee and wholesale it to other coffee shops, and our own coffee shop on that site was kind of a not an afterthought, but it was definitely like a little bonus. We were like, oh, there's like loads of houses there, and folk will come for coffee every day. So, um, yeah, that's that's just kind of how that's come about, but. Um, in terms of community feel, like there's loads of other nice communities that want to use the space. So 
it is also the people that are in and around the building that create the community. It's not the building doesn't doesn't do anything. It's because it's quite an eclectic mix of people as well. Like you find that, like it's, it's when you look at when you're coming in, you know, it's all walks of life, all professions. Mm -hmm. It's uh, I like I love coming in and sitting in and just yeah, like, yeah. like people watching as such. Um, I suppose like just to kind of this is me saying thank you for coming on and, and, and being part of the podcast and, and resharing your story. But I, I think I feel like I found out more today as well than um, maybe we have in conversations previously because we've talked about so much else. To, but to have that, like, sit down. So, like, I can't thank you enough, Todd. Thanks for having yeah. me. I'm always, yeah. I'm always happy to do stuff with Cojones. I think Cojones is the best yeah well you're certainly our poster boy we use you everywhere we go <laughs> and, and jeff loves I that we start, use you i should start charging you, you should actually, likeness little. rights yeah actually you could just get ai to replicate my my likeness and then you want to there we it. are um but now's your opportunity just to kind of you know plug the cartel yourself you know give us all your socials and things like uh, that i'll just give you the, the good coffee cartel uh glasgow's uh premier coffee business um we're, we're just like uh yeah, friendly neighbourhood coffee shop. We roast our own coffee. Um, we did a little uh, custom job with Cojones last year or this year. No, it was this year. April, like, yeah, 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 April, yeah. Um, yeah, so we do like really, really nice coffee. Uh, the social is at the Good Coffee Cartel. Yeah, yeah, that's it. At the Good right. Coffee. That's Instagram. Um, what else can I plug? Just give people my. Uh, my bank account number, yeah, home phone number. Yeah, yeah. If they want to drop, <laughs> if they want to drop a little cheeky tenor in, uh, they can't. <laughs> no. Yeah, um, yeah. That's that's, it. that's just what I do. Brilliant. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> oosh, 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 oosh. <laughs>